0: Welcome to Old Treasures Made New, your devotional podcast on the go or at home, where we read the scriptures and reflect on them with those from the past. Today we're reading Luke chapter five verses twelve to sixteen, and then through J.C. Rowe's expository thoughts on Luke. Please take a moment to pause and to ask the Holy Spirit to bring understanding and to apply what we hear. Luke, chapter five, verses twelve to sixteen. While he was in one of the cities But now, even more, the report of him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. This is the word of the Lord. We see in this passage our Lord Jesus Christ's power over incurable diseases. A man full of leprosy applies to him for relief and is at once healed. This was a mighty miracle. Of all ills which can afflict the body of man, leprosy appears to be the most severe. It affects every part of the constitution at once. It brings sores and decay upon the skin, corruption into the blood, and rottenness into the bones. It is a living death which no medicine can check or stop. Yet here we read of a leper being made well in a moment. It is but one touch from the hand of the Son of God, and the cure is effected one single touch of that almighty hand, and immediately the leprosy departed from him. We have in this wonderful story a lively emblem of Christ's power to heal our souls. What are we all but spiritual lepers in the sight of God? Sin is the deadly sickness which we are all affected. It has eaten into our vitals. It has infected all our faculties, heart, conscious, mind, and will are all diseased by sin. From the sole of our foot to the crown of our head there is no soundness about us, but covered with wounds and bruises and putrefying sores, Isaiah six. Such is the state in which we are born. Such is the state in which we naturally live. We are in one sense dead long before we are laid in the grave. Our bodies may be healthy and active, but our souls are by nature dead in trespasses and sins. Who shall deliver us from this body of death? Let us thank God that Jesus Christ can. He is that divine physician who can make old things pass away and all new things come. In him is life. He can wash us thoroughly from the defilement of sin in our own blood. He can quicken us and revive us in his own spirit. He can cleanse our hearts, open the eyes of our understanding, renew our wills, and make us whole. Let this sink down deeply into our hearts. There is medicine to heal our sickness. If we are lost, it is not because we cannot be saved. However corrupt our hearts and however wicked our past lives, there is hope for us in the gospel. There is no case of spiritual leprosy too hard for Christ. We see, secondly, in this passage, our Lord Jesus Christ's willingness to help those that are in need. The petition of the afflicted leper was a very touching one. Lord, he said, if you will, you can make me clean. The answer he received was singularly merciful and gracious. At once our Lord replies, I will be clean. Those two little words, I will, deserve special notice. They are a deep mind, rich in comfort and encouragement to all laboring and heavy-laden souls. They show us the mind of Christ towards sinners. They exhibit His infinite willingness to do good to the sons of men and His readiness to show compassion. Let us always remember that if men are not saved, it is not because Jesus is not willing to save them. He is not willing that any should perish. But that all should come to repentance, Second Peter three nine, he would have all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth, First Timothy two four. He has no pleasure in the death of him that dies, Ezekiel eighteen thirty two. He would have gathered Jerusalem's children as a hen gathers her chicks, if they had only had been gathered, Matthew twenty three thirty seven. He would, but they would not. The blame of the sinner's ruin must be borne by himself. It is his own will and not Christ's will if he is lost forever. It is a solemn saying of our Lord's, You will not come unto me that you might have life. John 5.40 We see thirdly in this passage what respect our Lord Jesus Christ paid the ceremonial law of Moses. He bids the leper... Go and show himself to the priest, according to the requirement in Leviticus, that he may be legally pronounced clean. He bids him offer an offering on the occasion of his doing so, according as Moses commanded. Our Lord knew well that the ceremonies of the Mosaic law were only shadows and figures of good things to come, and had in themselves no inherent power. He knew well that the last days of the Levitical institutions were close at hand, and they were soon to be laid aside forever. But so long as they are not abrogated, he would have them respected. They were ordained by God himself. They were pictures and lively emblems of the gospel. They were not, therefore, to be lightly esteemed. There is a lesson here for Christians, which we shall do well to remember. Let us take heed that we do not despise the ceremonial law because its work is done. Let us beware of neglecting those parts of the Bible which contain it, under the idea that the believer in the gospel has nothing to do with them. It is true that the darkness is past, and the true light now shines, 1 John 2.8. We have nothing to do now with altars, sacrifices, or priests. Those who wish to revive them are like men who light a candle at noonday. But true as this is, we must never forget that the ceremonial law is still full of instruction, They contained that same gospel in the bud, which we now see in full flower. Rightly understood, we shall always find it throwing strong light on the gospel of Christ. The Bible reader who neglects to study it will always find at least that by the neglect, his soul has suffered damage. We see, lastly in this passage, our Lord Jesus Christ's diligence about private prayer. Although great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities, he still made time for secret devotion. Holy and undefiled as he was, he would not allow the demands of public business to prevent private, regular communion with God. We are told that he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. There is an example set before us here which is much overlooked in these latter days, There are few professing Christians, it may be feared, who strive to imitate Christ in this matter of pirate devotion. There is abundance of hearing, and reading, and talking, and profession, and visiting, and almsgiving, and subscribing to societies, and teaching at schools. But is there, together with all this, a due proportion of private prayer? Are believing men and women sufficiently careful to be frequently alone with God? These are humbling and heart-searching questions, but we shall find it useful to give them an answer. Why is it that there is so much apparent religious working, and yet so little result in positive conversions to God? So many sermons, and so few souls saved. So much machinery, and so little effect produced. So much running here and there, and yet so few bought to Christ. Why is all this? The reply is short and simple. There is not enough private prayer. The cause of Christ does not need less working, but it does need amongst the workers more praying. Let us each examine ourselves and amend our ways. The most successful workmen in the Lord's vineyard are those who are like their master, often and much upon their knees. That is the end of Rouse's Expository Thoughts for these verses. Let us carefully consider what we have heard today, and may the Lord be pleased to bring the growth for His glory. In considering what we have just heard, would you prayerfully ask yourself and others the following questions? First, do we see ourselves as spiritual lepers, and that healing can come only through the hand of Jesus, the Great Physician? Do we believe that there is no spiritual sickness that Jesus cannot heal? Second, do we really believe that Jesus takes no pleasure in the destruction of the wicked and desires all to reach repentance? Do we believe he desires to heal sin sick hearts? Third, Ryle describes that though the ceremonial laws are fulfilled in Christ, they are still full of gospel instruction and neglected to our detriment. Do we avoid the Old Testament or quickly read over those larger portions of Leviticus? Or do we believe they, rightly understood, point to the gospel of Jesus Christ? And lastly, dear brothers and sisters, how close does our practice of prayer match with the Lord Jesus?